Last week we spent some time talking about being devoted to the apostles' teachings, and that, that is the responsibility of every one of us, is decide I'm going to be someone who gets into God's Word and I want to understand it for myself and I'm going to dedicate myself to it and, and read it and, and, uh, and let it speak to me. Today, the next one in that list of things, it's like the table we talked about, a table that is held up by at least four legs, hopefully, that if you start removing legs from these, the table will fall over. And that will happen to our spiritual life if we don't have these type of things, like devoting ourselves to the apostles' teachings, and today we're going to talk about devoting ourselves to fellowship. Now, I looked in the dictionary just to see what the dictionary had to say. Of course, you, you get on Google, you, you type in fellowship. And this was the... the, um, the um, Excuse me, the uh, definition here. A friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. Okay, I thought about that definition for a while. I thought, you know, for us as Christians, that definition is pretty lacking. Because if, we, if fellowship is merely sharing friendship with people that we have something in common, uh, or, or we have a hobby that is similar, that's going to get old at, at some point in time. And something I've noticed is that with time is associations that are made because of hobbies or recreation and such like that oftentimes don't last the test of time. You know, people find new friends, people do different things, because what happens if, if I get sick and I'm part of a community that we just ha- we share hobbies or something like that, and that's about all we've got in common. If I get sick, well, that's outside of what I want to, that's outside of my part of this association, so, well, you're on your own kind of thing. And so for us, this definition really falls short. I got to see uh, you know, some, you know, an example of this uh, when I was, uh, had surgery here about a month ago and I was laid up. I thought, man, I've got to do something productive as I'm sitting here in this chair. So I started watching some different documentaries that I thought would be, be beneficial. And this documentary up here called Happy is one that I watched. And it was really fascinating because what it did is basically said, the Constitution guarantees our pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, but we have to chase it. We have to chase happiness in order to find that. And so it went through all of these different uh, people and lifestyles and what constituted happiness. And it was amazing. They, they interviewed this gentleman on the streets of Japan. And Japan, since World War II, has been an industrial power. Long work hours, huge amounts of time invested. Uh, and there was a, a gentleman that was there that they were talking with and interviewing on camera. And he was said, it's my birthday today. And said, oh, are you going to go spend time with family? And I said, nope, I've got to work. I'll see my family here at some point in time. And they went on to talk about how Japan has the lowest level of happiness among their working class. Because it, it's job, it's job, it's push this, it's, it's I've got to meet deadline, I've got to do this. But the, it flashed to a different picture, a very, very different picture of a rickshaw driver in India. And this gentleman, you guys know what a rickshaw is? Kim, do you know what a rickshaw is? Okay, good, yeah, Kim's from India, so she knows. Right, it's those those tricycles that someone will be riding in the front and you'll have people in their taxi, you you go all over the place. And there was this rickshaw driver is there and it introduced you to his family and he's got all these kids running around and relatives and they're living in what we would call a shack. And boy, this guy's got a big smile, several teeth missing, but they said, on a, on a scale, this person is a whole lot happier than this other guy who is, is working in Tokyo and has money. And it goes through all sorts of different factors that they're trying to figure out is what is the common denominators for someone who finds fulfillment in this life or someone who finds, finds happiness. 
And it introduced, um, it introduced you to a couple, or a family, excuse me, down in Louisiana, living in the bayou, some Cajuns down there. And it has all of these people sitting around this big table, and there's all sorts of seafood sitting on it, and there's kids running around everywhere. And uh, I said, and they just talked about why this people in that area demonstrated a higher level of happiness to the scientific research. And they said, well, we just, we hang out. We're, we're family. And we've been doing this for generations. And, and you know, all these people sitting around the table, we used to play marbles together. And so we play marbles with the kids now. And, um, and he talked about get, taking his boat out into the water and sitting there. When I get frustrated and I can't figure something out, I just take my boat out in there and I sit here and I will listen. And I watch, and I watch the sun go down, and I see the stars, and I figure, yeah, things are going to be okay. And I go back and, and, and go from there. And what came up over and over again in this documentary is that community is one of the foundations for, as this documentary talked about, happiness. Community is essential. If we go at life as a lone ranger in, in isolation, then we tend to be pretty uh, unhappy people, um, Look at this definition here. Now, I found some pictures on the, on the church Facebook page. Okay. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Let's look at God's definition. The term that is used in the New Testament oftentimes is koinonia, um, which means the ideal union and brotherly or sisterly bond between individuals. See, that's, that's better than just, hey, we get together and we hang out because we have something in common. But there is an ideal bond between us that keeps us together as a community of people. And that's what we see there in Acts chapter 2. There's, if you look at these pictures, there's some pretty funny stuff on them if you look a little closer. But um, there's a, that's, that's what we see there in this early church. It's about being together and being in community. So let's talk about what that means here for a second. Is that we'll talk about what fellowship is. And fellowship is, you know, to start with here, is community. Now, the thing that is different with the fellowship that we experience as Christians and the rest of the world is the rest of the world has, has some sort of, of fellowship or, or relationship or friendship. It is, it is me and you, and that's about it. You know, that's about as deep as it goes, or me and you and the group of people that we're a part of. But you see there's something else about Christian fellowship that is deeper and stronger. You see what it is? There's someone else in the picture. Who is it? Yeah, God's in the picture. That changes things, doesn't it? Is that when people get together and they have God in their lives, we don't just see us as having this, this bond or this ideal relationship. It's not just between me and you, but we have God that is in our midst that we've invited him into our, our friendship. And that changes the nature of, of that friendship. Let me sh- share with you, you know, I know one way that I learned this early on uh, that was... Maybe not as early as I should have in some ways, but maybe one of those things you just continue to learn over time. But community with God involved is something that is much, much deeper than just just the the shallow friendships that we we see in the world. I'll give you an example. Um, I know that, uh, uh, well, Sylvia and I bought a house in Great Falls once that had a a lot of problems we didn't know about when we bought it. And for you guys that are plumbers, you know what this means more than I do. We had to go in and replace the drain and vent lines from the basement through the roof. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, you guys are smiling. That's, uh, yeah. I, I wasn't. <laughs> Believe me. 
it was it was hard, it was a disaster. Sheetrock everywhere. Um, the vent stack, old cast iron vent stack, four feet of it was just rotted out and gone in my daughter's bedroom. Which that didn't make me smile very much. Sylvia was pregnant with Luke, and uh, I remember one of the the plumbers in the church came over, a guy named Jeff Sabo, who is known for being meticulous. In fact, there's the joke with those of us that know Jeff, is that if there is a nuclear holocaust, then Jeff's house is going to be the only thing standing in Great Falls because it is built like a tank. And so Jeff came over and he looked around and said, yeah, we've got some, we've got some work to do here. We're going to have to pull stuff apart. This is what's going to be. And I could just feel the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I was upset, I was angry, and I was stomping around the basement. My wife would say throwing a tantrum, maybe. No, not happy at all. And I remember uh, Jeff serves as one of the deacons in the church there. And, and Jeff just came up to me, and he put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, Chris, I can see that you're disappointed. Well, <laughs> that's an understatement. Okay, yeah. But I, Chris, I can see he's big, strong hands. I can see that you're disappointed. But I know that somewhere in all of this, God's working, and there's going to be some things that come out of it that you're going to find that are positive. And you've got people that are going to walk with you through this. And and are going to help you through this. And it's going to be okay. And I remember thinking, "Mm, that doesn't help me very much right now. I don't like this very much. And I'm not very happy about all this. But it was amazing. In the next weeks, several people that were part of our community of the Holy Spirit, community of faith, showed up, were able to pull things apart, put things back together. And something I learned from that process, um, and I, I remember Jeff's words to this day, is that I think if I can, if, okay, here's, here's a, opening the, the mind of a minister, at least for myself. I believe that I thought on some level that the church needed me more than I needed the church. That's, I would have never said that. I was way too smart to say that, okay? But I wasn't going to say that. But I realized very, very clearly at that point in time that, boy, did I need that community of faith when it came down to it. Because I was in a position where we were not going to be able to, to it was just, it was going to put us in a, in a situation where we, we didn't know what the future looked like at all until those guys with those skills showed up and we started walking through things and, and, um, and, and putting stuff back together. And I realized at that point in time and through that process is that I needed very deeply needed the people of, of God's kingdom. Um, and it was, it was not just, you know, me teaching and, and you know whatever, but it was it was something that I, I very much needed not only for for the abilities that they brought to the table, but their spiritual encouragement and their spiritual wisdom that they showed me through that process. Tremendous change of heart and change of life for me. Um, let's look at what else fellowship is. Now I like this picture because this picture shows complete and utter total joy. It's awesome, fantastic picture here. Okay, fellowship is also um, investing time in each other. Let's investing time. Now, there's there's a difference between investing time and spending time. Okay, let's talk about that. In in that when we, um, I know that there's uh, there's times in life where I've sp- I, I have done more spending time than investing time in the people around me. And uh, I can give you an example. Like when I was in in college at times. Um, if you, you remember those days, if you've, if you've gone down that road, um, there's times where you don't have a lot to do and you're sitting in the dorm room and you just start talking. And this is, a, let me read from Ephesians chapter 4, 29. 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but as only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And we as people tend to, if we don't have a purpose in what we're going to do uh, with, with the group of people that we're hanging out with, we tend to just help each other digress, and pretty soon the discussion goes into a place that they think, man, where on earth did I get here, and why on earth are we talking about this? This is a pretty, pretty dumb thing to be, be doing, and um, what, what's this all about kind of thing? And that's what happens when we're not deliberate about how we invest time in, in, in our relationships with each other. Let me give you a picture of something else, a picture of investing time in, in other people. Uh, when uh, one of the years that I was at York, uh, I had a roommate, a guy named Brian Schrader, you know, crazy guy. You know, you guys ever heard that name before? Yeah, Mike and Beth's son. A lot of things, godly, faithful, probably not crazy is a name that you would you'd use for Ryan. A very dedicated spiritual guy. And I remember we decided at one point in time, we lived on this wing in Thomas Hall um, at, at York College, and we were roommates. And so we... Uh, we just decided, you know, maybe a good thing we should do right at curfew when we have to check in and, um, and so that they know that we're not out running around town or whatever, that we just have, have a prayer. and We invite everybody in our wing uh, to participate in that, and, and we'll see where that goes. And we didn't really have, it, it wasn't structured, anything like that. We just, at uh, whenever curfew happened, Schrader and I would go around the, a dorm and say, hey, we're going to have a prayer in our room tonight if you guys want to come. And there was, there was some athlete types there that they very rarely did they ever participate. But they told me later that I always knew that you were coming. You know, I always knew that this was, you know, and that that, that was helpful for, to, at least I knew you were going to ask. And so some way, in some form or fashion, that was good for me spiritually, even though I said no. But we had usually half a dozen guys or ten guys that would come in, and one of us would just pray. And we would just take turns, and if someone hadn't prayed for a while, they would pray. And we'd pray for a few minutes, and then we'd go our direction and do homework, or probably not. But we just, uh, we, that, that time, I believe, uh, changed the dynamics of everything that was happening within that group of people on our wing. And I found that through the years, I've kept in touch with some of those people, and they bring it up at times, that that, that that was something that was really beneficial and really helpful. And I look back and I think, I wish I would have done that, that just very simple thing there, all the four years that I was at York, because I believe that would have demonstrated, that, you know, I don't know what the, the change could have made in people's hearts and lives during that time. And so investing time in others, when we approach others saying, I, instead of what am I going to get out of this relationship, we approach others saying, what can I give to help this other person come closer to God. Okay, we'll come back to that here in just a minute. But um, fellowship is about investing time in each other. Uh, fellowship is also about food. Now, there, that's true. Fellowship is usually has food involved there. But fellowship is about convicting each other. Now, there's times, this is the time that's, that's hard, um, but there's, uh, when we see others, uh, when we see each other uh, going in a direction that is taking us away from God, Hopefully all of us have the courage to call each other, to, to try to come, to, to call attention to that, uh, that direction in life. Um, we think about it, it's really easy to think about it in terms of uh, like a, a, a dog running out into a street or a child running out into a street. Any one of us, if we see a child, even if it's not, if 
not our child, if it's our child, not our child, it doesn't matter. If there's a child running towards the street and we see cars coming, every one of us is going to run and try to grab that child from running into the street. And so spiritually, part of fellowship, part of Christian fellowship is the same thing. When we see each other walking down a path that walks away from God, it is the responsibility for every one of us to approach and say, hey, you don't want to go that road. Maybe I'm misunderstanding something here, but I'm here because I want you to, to go the direction of God. And I want you to be right with God. And I want you to grow and to stretch and that. And we say it, you know, we'll all say that in different ways, but that's the idea is that when we see someone going down a road towards destruction, it's our job to, to, to jump in and, and try to help that, that change uh, happen there and try to encourage the person back in another direction. Fellowship is also about encouraging each other. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of ways that this happens. Um, you know, we could give example after example after example. Um, encourage each other during times of sickness. Um, I know that the time that we have... Uh, before our class time at 9.15, uh, there's a group that anybody who wants to is welcome to meet over here. And we just pray. And we take some prayer requests, and, and Lee uh, Hibble leads us during that time. And we pray together. And it's a powerful time to, to just lift each other up and encourage each other and pray for the worship time that we're going to have or the time we're going to have together here and, and uh, pray for uh, God to continue to lead us in mission and all that. And it's a tremendous uh, positive experience during that time. Uh, encouragement in, includes helping each other through times of abundance, all phases of life. Now, I'm, I'm starting to, to realize there's lots of different phases in life. There's some ahead of me. And I'm so thankful that, uh, as the church, that there's people that walk ahead of me that can give me counsel and advice on how to walk through different phases of life. Now, next year I will have a teenager. I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. I continue to ask a lot of questions from those of you that have walked in front of me. And I appreciate that. You know, that's, and, and there's people that, 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 are a little, that are in a different phase in life that, that Sylvia and I can be a blessing to as we walk through. That's all part of that fellowship. We encourage each other and be deliberate to call us, uh, all of us towards God. Hey, I want to spend some time talking about the practical things that we can do here in terms of fellowship, practical ways to fellowship. Now, there's a whole lot of other ones here. We're just going to talk about a few here uh, that, we, that, are, uh, that we can act, engage in. Uh, Sunday morning. Now, this is part of a time of fellowship that we come together. Okay. Now, in our world, what's 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 common um, is that you know, Sunday morning is the time we come in, we sing, we hear the message of God, and and we disappear. Now, when we're when we tend to be more immature spiritually, what we see, what we think about is, I'm going to come to see what I can get out of the situation. And as we get more mature, we start thinking differently. We come to say, what can I give and what, what kind of ways can I bless? And fellowship is much more than just the, understand the, the open, from the opening amen to the, to the closing amen, is that fellowship starts beforehand, it continues afterwards. And I don't know how many wonderful discussions I've had and how many times people have said the right things to me at the right time. They had no idea. But they said the things that were encouraging to me at the right time as I'm walking out the back door or, or I'm standing around that made the difference. And I still remember those moments that someone said something that was so encouraging and powerful to me. Um, and so when we come into our time together, and all of us, something we can do and be deliberate about is say, who can I, looking around, who can I say something to, to encourage, to give courage to, to give strength to, so that maybe 
something that's happening in their life. I have no idea what it is, but I can say something that helps them just continue the course and continue to honor God uh, this week. Now, if all of us do that, man, just think about it. I, I think th- this church has a DNA that sure does that. I feel encouraged on a regular basis with people saying things that, that call me higher. And hopefully I'm doing the same. But that's something that all of us can do. Uh, and, it, and it doesn't take any, any type of special training. It just means looking around and seeing who is there and what can I do in order to, to bless and say something kind to them right now. Um, Something else that uh, part of the fellowship that we have on Sunday mornings is, is there's a, a lot of guests that show up from the community. And that's what a wonderful thing. That's a blessing. And if you're a guest here today, you're welcome. We're thrilled. You've always got a family with us. And if your kids scream, that's wonderful. Okay? It's great. Um, no problem. I can, I can talk. You know, we can sing through it, whatever. It's all great. Kids are wonderful. Um, and we have uh, kids' classes for all ages and that. And that's, those started um, earlier uh, during our during our time here, time that we come together, we get into God's Word to help um, prepare us to to be the people that God wants us to be every day. But there's for for those of us that have been here and been a part of this faith community for a while, there is, it, I believe it's a responsibility for all of us when we see someone who is new that we don't recognize walking in, to go out of our way to to welcome them and say, hey, you're welcome here. You've always got to. A family here. You've always got a community of people here. Because I know that, and I've grown up in churches all my life, and I'm a minister, and it's intimidating for me to walk into a strange building when I'm somewhere else. And and for somebody that is coming from a place that, that we don't know what type of thing's happening in their life or what type of uh, call is leading them through the door to say, hey, we I want to be here, then, man, that's no, it's our responsibility to welcome and say, this is a safe place. You're welcome to be here. This is a community of God that we want to live different than the world around us. Okay, not all of you are going to say it that way. It's fine. But say it the way that comes out for you that, that um, makes people uh, welcome into our community here. Um, Wednesday evening, I think Mark mentioned that earlier. You know, that's been a, a tremendous time. And I, how, we've, uh, how we've been doing that here the last while is we, we meet over there in the fellowship area. And we have a couple of songs together, and then one of the elders gets up and, and asks for, gives a couple of announcements, and then we have a time where the microphones passed around and prayer requests are given. And then we divide up, and there's classes for um, all different ages of kids. starts at 7 o'clock, and the kids go into their classes. And, uh, and then uh, we've been teaching in the, in the adult section. We take some, some deeper material, usually. We've been talking about where does the where do we get the Bible? Where does it come from? And how do we how do we open it up and study? And we've been going through that right now. Um, I know that my children during that class time on Wednesday nights and the class time on Sunday morning, they come home and they talk about the great things that they've learned and the things that uh, uh, that they uh, that they're going to put in their life. Now understand that it, it's oftentimes not a a, a great discourse, but it comes up throughout the week of the things that. A teacher said, or, or or some other kid said in class, that think, "Whoa, that kid's listening. This is great. This is fantastic." And it's a way to, at, during the middle of the week, to uh, fellowship together, and then we go out our different directions. I, I didn't say this earlier, but when we finish, we finish up with a prayer, and we're we're done by eight. Done. We'll say by eight o'clock. But 
the fellowship continues afterwards. You see people standing around and encouraging each other. And those of us with small children usually take off because they, they need to get to bed. Uh, we take off before too long after 8. But there is, there's others that stay and, and stick around uh, throughout, you know, for another hour or so sometimes. But that is that time right in the middle of the week that I've found to be tremendously helpful uh, for myself. That going through a week uh, and there's, there's always this or that. There's always the burdens that we carry with us. And Wednesday night is a time we can come together and encourage each other, get into God's Word, and head out our direction back in to be a blessing to the world wherever God has placed us. Great opportunity to participate uh, for Christians. Uh, another practical way to fellowship is our Sunday evening time. We have devotionals tonight. Uh, we have a kids' night, which is tremendous. That's really neat. That was neat to see to come here and to see the church doing that. My kids love it and love participating in that. Um, there is uh, life groups. Uh, those are small groups that that meet in homes. That there's there's things that I know that I don't when I'm sitting around the table with people sharing life and sharing the the message that we talked about. We have the opportunity to talk about things that around a table in homes that usually do not ever come out here. And, and that's what a blessing to, to share life in that way. Um, and life groups happen twice a month. They happened last week. They happen this next week. Those are tremendous things to be able to participate with. Uh, fellowship meals. Uh, we'll, we'll have one right afterwards today. If you're in the back and you start smelling good food, that's what's going on. And it makes it kind of tough to, to survive here the next little bit. But those fellowship meals, it's a, it's a potluck. If, if you didn't bring anything, you can stick around. You're sure welcome. If you want to go grab some chicken or something at the store and bring it back, fantastic. There's always plenty of food. But it's a great time for us to come together and, and we, just, we just eat. And the kids run <laughs> and eat and then, and then they, they play and have their good times. It's a tremendous time. And, and there's so many families in the world that don't have anything that looks like that. And we have that on a regular basis. It's time to spiritually encourage us. There's special events. Uh, Yellowstone Bible Camp. That season is, is uh, starting to roll around this summer. There's all sorts of, there's three different kids camps. There's four different family camps. There's um, a singles camp, a golden age camp. There's, there's, and I'm, I'm sure I missed some there. There's tremendous opportunities. About 1,600 people use the camp during the summer to get spiritual encouragement that launches them out through the rest of the year. Something I, I've mentioned to you, and I'll give more and more information as we go along, is the Memorial Day weekend. The labor, there's a camp that uh, it's, it's totally free, food is provided, and people show up and we do different repairs to the camp in order to prepare it for the camp season to come. And with this crew, as many skilled workers that we have here, man, that's a tremendous time to go and, and be in a, a spiritual environment. And it costs nothing. It costs the gas to get there and get back. But it's a great spiritual environment that we, we can go. And I know the church here has been a huge um, has provided a lot of work and, and effort to, to make Yellowstone Bible Camp go. And that's one thing that, that all of us, can, you know, a huge group of us can participate in to be a blessing uh, for, for God's, God's kingdom. And we get something out of it. There's a tremendous amount of encouragement that you get from just working alongside people that are, that are people of God. Um, now, what I've shared is mostly, if we can say it this way, official church stuff. Now, that's... I mean, it's just a, a way of, we, we know what I'm talking about. A way of saying it in the way I, that, that all of us know what I'm talking about. But maybe the, some of the, the most important spiritual things are, we, we get our encouragement when we're together in fellowshipping. But when we go into our homes, not seeing um, that being, let me say it differently, 
Okay? When we go into our homes, that time is just as spiritual as our time here. And that who we are when we're in our homes and the way we uh, demonstrate fellowship with our families and seeking to encourage each other instead of tear each other down is vitally important. Uh, having other people into our homes. And that's one of the things that, you know, that Sylvia and I love to do is, is just have people in our homes. And it's kind of this, we have 15 little boys that live in our neighborhood that are all in the same block. And so there's, we, our door doesn't close very often. It's just kind of in and out and, and it's fun. And when, when we meet together as Christians, you know, all of us, um, when you have people in your homes, be deliberate about that. Say, hey, this is a, a time we're going to pray together. Um, we have a good time talking about all sorts of other stuff, but let's make sure we take it in a direction that brings all of us closer to God. That's what, uh, that's what we're shooting for. Um, also, there's all sorts of ways that we demonstrate fellowship in the field, and, and I wrote some down here to share. There's, there's things that I know that, that may seem like, again, we can divide things that are spiritual from things that are, that are common, Okay. But I, the, the longer I, I live, the more I realize that we can take things that are common and make them spiritual. Uh, let me give you an example. There's, there's several times where uh, I've gone out and ha- gone out hunting with guys. That's something I like to do. I love to be outside. And I've had some of the most tremendous spiritual conversations sitting on the hillside with a rifle sitting next to me talking to somebody. And all of us can, no, not all of us is, okay, I'm not making a pitch that all of us need to be hunters here, right? Although that would be good, wouldn't it, Carrie? Yeah, that'd be good. All, no, I'm just kidding. Too much competition, yeah. No, that, we don't want that. That's right. That's right. But whatever, whatever you're doing in life and whatever you, you find joy in, whatever hobbies may be, decide to make those spiritual. Take that time and make it spiritual in some form or fashion. Include other people in it that you can encourage for God. Um, and there's, there's amazing things that come out of those times together. And uh, there's transformation that comes because of it. Uh, our times at work, we can make, uh, I was talking with uh, a few people uh, throughout this week. It's kind of been a theme. It's come up several times. But the work that we do, whatever it is, take that time and make it a time that is holy or a time that is set apart for God. Meaning that when whatever, let me say it differently. You know, the people that, that you work with, you have a lot more influence with than I do. Uh, and so you have the opportunity as, as a person, wherever you're working, whatever your context is, to bring Christ with you, to sow seeds, to plant seeds, so that people hear the message of God and, and they can come to God. And that is taking a little piece of the fellowship that we have here as a community out into the world so that people can that and people can, can come to God through that process. I think about, uh, there's, there's all sorts of ways, and again, we could come up with all sorts of different ones here. But for we as Christians, when we come together, what we share and what we see in the book of Acts is something that is totally different than the rest of the world. And in our world, as we, we see, you know, there's, it's a spooky place out there. There's a lot of hurt, and I, I see that on a fairly regular basis. I had a guy drive in, and I'll tell you the story. I told the crew on Wednesday night about it, and I'll tell you in more detail another time. But a guy drive in from another state that he had had a big argument with his wife, had left his wife and children, and was driving. And I mean another state. I don't mean Wyoming or North Dakota. I mean way, way out there. And he saw the sign that said, come as you are. And he walked in and he said, can I talk to somebody? And he and I sat in here for quite a while and talked. 
And he said, I just want to run. I just want to run. I want to be done. I said, no. <laughs> if he's walked in, I figure he wants me to shoot straight with him. I said, I want to fill your gas tank up. And what you need to do is you need to turn around and you need to go. And you need to go right back home. And he listened for a while and he said, okay, I'll do that. Um, he said, I want you to call me when you get there. Because when you get there, you, there's changes need to happen. About 24 hours later... He drove straight through. He called me. He said, now what? And we started going through that. <laughs> but he called. But the hurt that I saw in him as I was sitting here is that there's so many people in the world just have that hurt and live with that hurt. And we as a church have something that is so different. And I can't imagine living without my church family, the church, not my church, without God's church family. I can't imagine living without God's church family and trying to go through life, trying to figure out what's next, not knowing if I can trust the people around me or what the people around me are thinking if they're in this relationship because they want something out of me. But because God is in this, this with us, we know that we're not perfect and we're very much in process. But every one of us, as we walk through life with our church family, know that the people around us are doing their best as well to put God in their relationship and to, to walk through life with us and call us higher and spiritually. Live without God's church? Not for me. No way. Lone Ranger Christian that never seems to work out if we try to do things alone. But immersing ourselves in God's family, what it does is it changes us, it changes our families, and it changes the people around us as we all seek to go more and more uh, towards what God wants us to be. And uh, I'm excited to be a part of the fellowship here. Um, and I'm excited for what God will do with us in the next years. If you'd like to become a Christian today, you're welcome to come forward while we stand and sing. There's also people um, waiting in the back to pray with you if you would like to, uh, prayers today. Let's stand and sing together.